Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Things will be going bad for so long before I finally turn back to the Lord in sincerity. And we talked about the importance of what it meant to cry out. This isn't some, you know, lightweight, you know, murmured under breath prayer request. They're crying out. They're saying, God, in desperation, we need you. We can't do it without you. We, we need your help. And when God's kids cry out, even from a place of they've been disobedient and they're being spanked, God still cares. God listens that we serve a merciful God. As Christians, for many of us, when difficulties present themselves, we don't go to God right away. We love to solve our issues on our own and don't let God in until it's too late. Today, Pastor Bill explains that you need to let God lead you out of the storm and give it all to Him. The more you try to fix things on your own, the worse it gets. Stop hiding from God and lose the chains that are holding you back from the life that you want to live. God wants to know about everything in your life. Don't wait until it's too late. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Here's the real brief kind of synopsis of the book of Judges. The book of Judges is going to be a, it's a period in time in Israel's history where they don't have a king. Uh, they're no longer functioning kind of under a theocracy where God is ruling and reigning over them. But they have these judges that are raised up. And the judges are raised up for this specific reason. Israel would stumble into idolatry. They would, they would be doing okay with the Lord for a period of time and they would have rest. And it would seem like after a period of rest and things being well, when a leader would die, when the previous judge would die, it says that they would again, they would again do evil in the sight of the Lord. And so somehow this good season wasn't good enough. And they would fall, they fall back into a period where they begin to get into idolatry, worshiping the idol gods that were left behind from the, the nations that are around them that don't believe in the Lord. And, and in that time, it says that the Lord would be angry. It would anger the Lord to see his children worshiping the idols. And so when God was angry with them, God would turn them over to the pagan nations around them. So when they were turned over to the pagan nations, sometimes eight years in, they would cry out to the Lord and God would answer. Then it would be 18 years then it would be 40 years, different spans of time. It takes them to finally say, God, help us. And interestingly, that every time they would cry out, God would answer by sending a judge. So when we use the word judge for the book of judges, not like a court, not a judicial judge is, you know, uh, rendering verdicts, but it's a deliverer. It's someone that God would raise up to be a deliverer for his people in that time frame. So throughout the book of judges, there are 12 judges, 11 men and one woman. We're going to look at the lady who is uh, a judge in Israel, Deborah. And so uh, some interesting things in this story. I, I was as I was reading the chapter and preparing it, um, just trying to get the like what's the sometimes I try to get the gist of the chapter so I could give a topic or a title. Um, and as I was looking at this, just the gist of this chapter, I see this is too many things. It's not just one. I don't see one thing. I do see, though, I'm going to challenge the men um, and I'm not going to challenge the men. The word is going to challenge all of us that are men that we would step into our place. But I also believe the Lord is going to speak to the women of, of what do you do when the men around you don't step up, when the men that are. The minute you gave room for them to step up, they were supposed to step up and they don't step up. What do you do in that particular case? 
Uh, Deborah and JL are go, both going to be a great example to the ladies. Uh, what do you do in such cases? So with that, let's jump in. Chapter four, when Ehud was dead, the children of, of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Ehud was the last deliverer that, that you know, he, he killed Eglon and he delivered the children of Israel from his harsh leadership over them. And so once he died, it says they did it again. They went right back. Uh, they went right back to their trend. They went right back to that same pattern and said they, they again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And I said this earlier, but I want to say it again for the benefit of those that are just joining us, because I don't want to be putting them down like it's not us. Right. We're reading the word. This is talking about us, too. And so for you guys that are listening, that would say, you know what? I've got patterns that I fall back into. I got things where, you know, I'll be doing pretty good. And then, bam, I fall back into that same pattern again. I, I, I fall off somewhere along the way and I do it again. Um, for those of us that recognize hey, we're like them, we, we, we have these same kind of cycles that go on, these same kind of patterns that we fall into. What's the what I see? Just I've already been reading through the book over and over again. What's the what's the way out of the cycle? I believe the way out of the cycle is this. It's, it's what we do in times of peace and in victory. Because when we're down, when we're broken, when things aren't going well, those are holy moments for the children of God. You are praying. I, I'm, I'm, for most people, I believe that those are times when there's going to be a, a greater sensitivity to how you're living, how you're walking, purified steps, because you need God. It's, it's when things are going all right. It's when I got a job. I got some extra bucks. I got everything I want. It's in that season where you got to be careful. Um, it's, it's in that period of time where I've watched people be doing great with the Lord, hoping to get out of a, a hole, hoping to get out of a situation, only to get out of the situation and immediately go back to, you know, everything that they had stopped. It's like, OK, now I got what I wanted from the Lord. I'm back at it. So I believe that we have to be really cautious, really careful about what we do in times of peace in seasons of victory. And my exhortation to us is that in those times of peace and victory that we're experiencing from the Lord, that we would be diligent to maintain intimacy, devotional life, prayer life, time in the word, those things. That, that's what will keep us in those times. And so um, that would be my encouragement there. So it says again that the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse two says, so the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. Who reigned in Hazor, the commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harosheth Haragoyim. And um, I, I practiced that for y'all all day, so I got it. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, so verse three. It says, And the children of and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had nine hundred chariots of iron, and for twenty years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. So this time they stayed under the oppression of an adversarial pagan leader for 20 years before they cried out. And I really can't come up with a rhyme or reason for why it takes so long. How come sometimes the stint is shorter? But again, the same is true for us, because some of us will look and say, you know what? I'll, things will be going bad for so long before I finally turn back to the Lord in sincerity. And we talked about the importance of what it meant to cry out. This isn't some, you know, lightweight, you know, murmured under breath prayer request. They're crying out. They're saying, God, in desperation, we need you. We can't do it without you. We, we need your help. And when God's kids cry out, even from a place of they've been disobedient and they're being spanked, God still cares. God listens that we serve a merciful God. And so when his kids cry out, I mean, I'm looking at it saying, man, they did this to themselves. 
But when they're sorry, when they cry out, God forgives. And we can all be glad for that because no matter how far out we've gone, no matter how far down we've fallen, the moment that you turn to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry, he receives it. He receives it. It doesn't matter what you have done. Um, I love that about the Lord. I love to be able to minister to somebody that's in the gutter and say, but if you would turn to the Lord, he'd forgive you. I guarantee I'm positive. That's just who he is. There isn't anybody that says, God, I want you, that God doesn't say, I want you too. I wanted you first. And so that's a blessing that, you know, when, when we do decide to turn, God doesn't look at you and say, nah, you had your chance. You know, I was talking to you last year. You turn, you, you don't want to hear me then. Now I'm going to leave. Like, God doesn't do us like we would do us if we were God. Because some of us would be horrible gods. We're just, we're, no, nah, that's what you get now. You know, we're, we're, we're tell them, we're tell us all about ourselves. Thank God that none of us are God. Amen. <laughs> so he merciful. All right. It says uh, verse four. Now, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. So a few things about this woman, Deborah, we introduced her here. Um, it's the first and only woman that was a judge. Um, it wasn't really the there wasn't the trend that a woman would be in this role. She's unique in scripture in that. Um, the only other person that was a prophet and a judge that judged Israel and was a prophet was Samuel. Um, this is the other person that she's in a position where people are coming to her for judgment. You know, we're going to read in just a moment. She sits under her palm tree and people are coming to her for judgment. This is a woman. She's a prophetess. So she has the word of the Lord um, in that time. You know, God's word. They didn't have the 66 books, canon scripture like we have today. And so um, the people would rely on. Though the, the genuine prophets of God that God had placed out there to give the people a word from the Lord when they needed to know what to do. I need to get a word from the Lord. They would go to the prophet of God, the man of God normally. But in this case, it was a woman of God. It was Deborah that they would go to and receive judgment, receive the word of the Lord. And so um, she was judging just for for what is worth her name. Deborah's name means be um, like a like a bee, you know, like the, the kind of fly around or whatever. So um that's just what I just I was looking at. Is I, I read books where they tried to say cute things like, oh, you know, because of the part of her that was sweet, but she could also sting. And But I'm just her name meant be, you know, and um, she was judging Israel this time. And I, I don't want to lightly handle the fact that she was a prophetess. Um, that meant that God would be speaking to her from him. And she was giving to people the word of the Lord. And that was an important place to be in. It was an important place God put her in. Now, um, I'll finish talking about her and I'll, I'll I'll share some of the ways that people misappropriate the story of Deborah. And I'll share what I believe is the how we should apply this and what women can take from her life and her example, because she's an awesome woman of God that we see in Scripture. She's a great example for ladies. And so verse five, it says, and she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent, I'm sorry. So the position that she had is she sat there all day and people came to her for judgment. And you might wonder reading this like, well, this is, it's, it's unique in scripture. that a woman in this place is always typically a man. How come now? How come in this place? How come at this time there's a woman doing this thing? And as we read on, we'll find that the men that were in position at this time, um, they were lacking in um, the man that should be stepping up to do certain things is lacking. And uh, I'll just go ahead and read about him. Uh, verse six, it says, then she called for Barak 
Doesn't that sound like a powerful name? Barak, Barak, that's a powerful name. It means lightning. I mean, so this brother should have been about the business. You know, this is this guy should have been the guy that, hey, this I'm calling lightning. You know, they go get stuff done. But it's, a, you know, this is a real disappointment, man. Let's read it. Uh, she called for Barak, the Barak, 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 whoever, the son of the son of Abinoam from Kadesh, um, Kadesh and Naf, there, what y'all said, and, she, <laughs> and said to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali um, and of the sons of Zebulun. So the prophetess Deborah calls out to Barak lightning and says, hey, didn't God tell you? Didn't God? God already told you. This is not a new word from the Lord. She says, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded you? Past tense. God's already told you to do something, bro. You ain't taking steps yet. And she's checking him as, as she should. Now, Barak says, or Barak says, um, and you know, she's, so she gives in verse six, the command from the Lord, go deploy troops to Mount Tabor. Hasn't the Lord commanded you to go deploy troops, take 10,000 men um, from Nephthalim and Zebulun. And then she says, this was, this was the promise that went along with the command in verse seven, the promise. And again, you, you, and I'm sorry, and against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. So she's saying God told you to go and he told you that when you do go, he was going to deliver this army into your hand. And so why haven't he gone yet? Why hasn't lightning stepped out yet? In verse eight, this is what's wrong. And Barak said to her, if these are the weakest words from a man in scripture, says, if you will go with me, then I will go. <laughs> but if you will not go with me, I will not go. Now, I'm going to just say this to every man in the room. Every man in the room, let me have your ear, let me bend your ear for a minute. That's just not the way it's supposed to go. God is, you know, God has established you to be the leader, right? As a man, that your wife wasn't the one. Have, Let's go. Can we go? Will you go if I go? I'll go if you go, baby. You go, you know, that you're supposed to be the one leading out. She's telling him, God told you to go. How come you haven't gone yet? God told you to go. He said, if you went, he promised, he promised to give you victory anyway. And he said, well, I'll go if you go. Right. I won't. He's not willing to just go at the word of the Lord. He's saying, I'll, I'll go if you go. That's wrong. He should have said, if that's what God says, then that's there. I'm going. I'm out. Let's go. I'm, I'm on my way. But he says, I only, I'm only willing to go if you go. Now, let me rewind the tape a little bit, because in this, this whole chapter, we're going to see twice where men are not what and where they need to be. And so a woman steps in. Now, at this time, there was no rule that said a woman couldn't be a judge. And there was nothing that said a woman could not be a judge. There was nothing. We know that there are women prophets throughout the scripture. Uh, before her, there was Miriam. Uh, but Miriam messed up and got struck with leprosy. But Deborah is a, a prophetess. We see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that uh, one of the brothers there had virgin daughters who prophesied. And so women can prophesy. You know, that's they can, the word of the Lord can speak, be spoken to a woman. That's not the problem. Um, at this time right now, you're looking at the guy that should have been the stand up guy. And he's not responding to the word of the Lord. And so God's going to God says, you know what, I'm going to do it. And even after Deborah tells him. You know, why don't you get going? He says, if you go, I'll go. I want you to notice what she says immediately in verse nine. So she said, I'll surely go with you. No, no hesitation. She didn't stutter. She didn't say, well, 
that's kind of, that's, that's war. I'm a lady. I got to get my nails did. Deborah said, yeah, let's go. She got no, she, I believe, I believe that Deborah's willing to go because Deborah's like, God said he was going to do it. I believe Deborah believed the word of the Lord. She wasn't hindered. She wasn't fearful. She said, God said, go, we're going to go. And I, she had no problem. And I'm going to say to every man here that that's not okay for us. I can't be willing to obey the word of God if my wife will, if she'll come. If you come, babe, then, then I'll do what God said do. But if you won't come, then I will disobey God. That's the, that's the alternative. I'll only obey God if you do it with me. That's not how it works. God wants us to stand alone. That's for men and women. Uh, but in particular, men who are supposed to lead, and that's not how you lead. You can't lead from a position that says, well, I'll do what's right by God if you come. You just do what's right by God and they will come. They'll catch up. They'll, they'll, they'll catch up eventually, but you got to step out. Now, now I would say this to women, right? Men should be stepping up, but they're not, right? I know women that are in their home and they wish that the man would step up and be the spiritual leader, but he won't. And so do you just let your kids not know the Lord? No, no, you take that on. Do you just let it know? You, you, you go ahead and take up the reins and you do what the word of the Lord says to do. And it's unfortunate, but that's what you, you just take it. You just, you go right on ahead. Now you do it humbly. You do it in submission. You do it in a, you know, there's a right attitude and heart to do that with. You don't, you don't, don't be walking around your house telling your man what a wimp he is and, you know, calling him barrack, you know, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, you, you want, but at the end of the day, when God has said to do something, if God tells, if, if there's a word of the Lord, there's things that God has called us to do as believers. Uh, we should be in fellowship as believers. And if I decide for my family that we're no longer going to be in fellowship, I would expect my wife to still end up in fellowship somewhere. That I don't expect her to bend that far. You know, the submission only goes so far. We submit until someone asks us, asks us to do something that's outside the will of God. Um, that's what that's in every era of submission. We submit to the government and authorities unless they tell us, like Daniel, you can't pray. Well, now I'm going to defy the laws of the land. You know, children submit to their parents until your parents tell you to do something that's outside the will of God. Then you don't submit to that. Wives submit to husbands. You know, we submit to spiritual leadership unless someone asks us to step out of the will of God. So there's still a heart of submission that we would have um, and that we should have and maintain. But I just want to say that that's important because um, at this time, God's like, I'm still getting ready to deliver. And uh, it, it would have been great if Barak would have said, amen, the Lord spoke, I'm going. But he didn't. And I just want you to know that the word, the work didn't stop uh, at, at, at him. God was like, OK, we're going to keep it moving. And um, look at verses eight, and nine with me. And Barak said to her again, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And what he's saying is, I will not obey God lest you come to. That's never okay for anybody, any believer. We obey God because we're subservient to him, because he's the Lord and we're subservient. We do what God says do no matter what. Amen. So verse nine now, she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell, sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Cater. So she said, you know what? I'll go with you, but there's going to be no glory for you in this um, because you didn't just go at the word of the Lord. There'll be no glory for you in this. God's going to end up delivering what the, the victory you should get. God's going to have a woman do what you should do. Now, again, I read that and I say that that's a, it's a shame for him. But I, I again, it's a shame for him. That's him over here. I'm looking at the ladies that step up and I'm saying for them, it speaks. 
you know, that 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 they weren't they, they were going to obey the Lord no matter what. And so the woman in question, the woman's going to end up doing it. It's not Deborah herself. It's a woman named J.L. And so we'll see that as we continue to the story. Now, let me share a misappropriation of this story that's common. Um, and, I, and I hope I'm going to open up a can of worms on a Wednesday night for y'all, but we're going to go ahead and open up the can of worms. So um, in the New Testament, with regard to those who should be pastors of a church, um, that's a role and that's a position that God has set aside for men. Um, some people have a problem with that. Some people disagree with that. It, it really doesn't matter. If God has said, I want five-year-olds to do it, that's what God has said. You know, it's whatever God says. He's the Lord. And so over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you're writing notes, you can write this down. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, Paul laying out the roles of men and women in the church. Uh, earlier in, in the chapter, he talked about how God wants men everywhere to be raising up holy hands, that um, men should be leading in prayer uh, within the fellowship. And then as he comes down to women in, in verse uh, nine and 10, he says that they should adorn themselves in modest apparel. And, you know, I, I, I trip on some of the stuff I read where he's like, they, women shouldn't be dressed in a way that's like all eyes on me, you know, gold and expensive jewelry. And in that culture, braided hair, uh, not today. Today, if you got braided hair, it's common. But in that culture, if you have braided hair, that meant you had paper. So someone walked with braided hair and everybody's like, wow, look at her. And God said, that's that's not when, when we come to church. Because women can present themselves in a way where everybody looks. They're like, whoa, look at that. Look again, you know. So God says, don't do that. You know, so if you look in the mirror, if you if you're trying to make sure on your way to church, you got your papow, um, that's not <laughs> that's not your Sunday, you know, outfit, you know. So um, but they should be, you know, modest apparel, that they should um, you know, they should they should look like women that are professing, verse 10, professing godliness with good works. But here it is. He says, let the woman learn with silence. Um, with all submit in silence, with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Now, again, when he says um, to be in silence, God's not saying that women don't speak, that women don't have a role. The only thing that God is saying that a woman can't do in a in a body of believers is she's not going to be over the men. She's not going to be the minister to men. Women can teach. Women can prophesy. Um, there's women ministries. Women teach kids. Um, women, you know, pro prophetic gifts, someone can prophesy. If someone has a word from the Lord, that's not a matter of, of sex or whatever. Just the ongoing ministry of overseeing and, 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 and having leadership. God said that's not for a lady. He said, don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. And, you know, the, I actually met with a woman pastor. It's a church on Imperial. And, um, I had met the pastor there and then I went by there to, to, to talk to him one day and, um, he was not able to meet with me, but he had, he said, I got one of my other assistant pastors want to meet with you. And a lady came. And so she came out and we had this whole conversation. So I thought, who best to ask? Like, what do you think these verses mean? But then a woman pastor. So I said, so what, how do you deal with these verses? You know, these verses say that a woman is, is not to teach men. And she was actually preparing to teach Bible study that night. And so I'm like, so what do you, what do you do with that? And she says, well, you know, we believe that that was, you know, that that some people say that Paul was chauvinistic. And so, 
you know, they eliminate the fact that the scriptures are inspired by God. And they're like, oh, no, that was just Paul who was a chauvinistic and he said that. And now we disregard it. That's that's wrong, you know, way to study the Bible. You know, you, you throw out everything Paul says then, you know, well, he was chauvinistic. You know, no, he had a bad attitude when he said that. You know, he was lazy when he said that. You know, he was he, he lacked courage when he said don't hit back. You know, like this, you can just undo all of scripture, you know. And then the other one, this is maybe the more common. She said, you know, that was a more of a cultural thing and that culture. Much of life is cyclical. There are seasons that cycle through and then start over again. You see the pattern or cycle of the Israelites in the book of Judges. They rebel from God and sin, bringing judgment on themselves. But then God sends them a deliverer and they turn back to following God. But eventually, they turn away and start the same cycle over again. Do you think God got tired of that cycle and wanted to throw in the towel with these people? If anything, the book highlights God's mercy when the Israelite people were undeserving of rescue. But this is the God we serve, one who's looking to redeem and rescue. He also wants you to genuinely turn back to Him, not questioning His goodness or faithfulness, God's long-suffering. And He proves this time and time again in the book of Judges, have you been enjoying this series in Judges? Pastor Bill has been working his way through this book here on The Transforming Word. If you'd like to hear additional messages from Judges, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the teaching tab for more messages. While you're on our website, you can download our mobile app to take teaching with you on the go. Something else you might find at our website are links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stay connected with us through those various platforms and come back again to hear more from Pastor Bill. There are many things to learn from the book of Judges and we're just getting started. So make sure that you don't miss a single edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.